Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. I'm all by myself in the studio today, but joining me on the line, our old pal, my favorite quarterback ever other than my my own son who was a quarterback <laughs> babe loffenberg babe it's great to have you on how are you great when you've got kevin sherrington and babe loffenberg do you really need anybody else do we need a three-man booth right now you know it just clutters things up doesn't it <laughs> it does yeah that's what i say it it'd be some takes time away from your insightful questions and takes time away from my insightful and enlightening answers there we go i like it i like it <laughs> i like it when, especially when we're when we're enlightening so speaking of being enlightened we uh we just uh, finished with the cowboys otas and mini camp uh and you were out there for almost all of it and uh i wanted to just uh, first of all just to, to throw it wide open to you and if if there was anything that stood out to you from all of that can you ever say that anything really stands out um, obviously, they're in shorts, and um, you just don't see a whole lot where your eyes go, oh, my goodness. Um, it's not like I remember DeMarcus Ware's first game <clears throat> excuse me, at Seattle in the preseason, and he just, yeah, you just said, okay, there, there, there's your guy. Yeah, he was <laughs> yeah. tremendous. I, I, I was there, two, too. That was tremendous. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he had two sacks. I know he had an interception. He had a forced fumble. He had a recovered fumble. This is all in, like, two quarters of work, and – uh I'll never forget Parcells saying, oh, what, what are we going to put him to Canton already? And I was like, <laughs> yes, I think you can, and that's where he is going to end up. Yes. But, yeah, the mini camps, it's hard to walk away and say, wow, that guy, um, especially, you, you know, you look at Connor Williams, uh, you know, without pads on, what do you know? Uh, the, probably the most disappointing thing was Leighton Vanderish, you know, missed some practice time uh, with an ankle injury. So really didn't get a good chance to see much of him, to be quite honest. Yeah. So we did hear from uh, Cole Beasley, uh, the fine slot receiver, who made an interesting comment uh, about uh, Sanjay Lyle, who the new uh, wide receivers coach replacing Derek Dooley, in which he more or less made it sound like, wow, they're, they're teaching uh, pass routes here for the first time. Yeah, all the comments have been kind of interesting to me. And um, I've gotten to know Sanjay Lyle just a little bit. To be quite honest, didn't know a whole lot about him other than he was coaching in the NFL before he got here. Um, but here's the thing, too, Kevin. The Cowboys, in, in two of the last four years, they had the fewest drops in the NFL. Last year, believe it or not, they finished eighth in fewest drops. So I, I think we have this misconception that, that Bryant dropped every ball thrown to him and they probably dropped more balls than any team in the NFL. That wasn't the case. Right. Um, so clearly, you know, it happens all the time. You know, coach leaves all of a sudden. Whatever position he coaches, um, it's like it becomes this thing of, oh, wow, look at, look at what this guy's bringing to the table. So we'll see. And, again, that's not to say that Sanjay Law is not going to be a great coach and he's going to send five of these receivers to Canton. But they were being coached. So it's a little bit of a misnomer that uh, they just kind of, said, okay, you guys go out, see this brown thing. When it comes your way, catch it. 
The uh, uh, this is the thing that uh, uh, interests me going forward here. In that uh, you know, Cole Beasley was so effective uh, in uh, in Dak Prescott's rookie season, and and not so much last year as defenses uh, uh, you know concentrated on him a little bit more. And to do that, did you see that uh, that Des Bryant was getting more single coverage last year and allowing defenses to do that, or were they doing something different? No question. Um, to your first question, um, and, and I said it as a as you went along in the season, you could just see they were saying we're going to third down here. We're going to take Cole Beasley away from you. We're going to try to take Witten away from you. We're going to make you throw the ball outside and see if you can beat us one on one out there. In the past, it was a steady diet of doubling Dez and leaving Cole singled up in the slot. And obviously, you know, he, he was one of the best slot receivers in the, in the NFL, and it was a great way for the Cowboys to move the chain. So as teams got on in the season and said, I don't think this 88 can beat one-on-one coverage, they, they, they didn't double Dez, and they just doubled Cole Beasley. And it's interesting, too, Kevin, because people say Cole had a bad year. Well, he had a bad statistical year, but... A defense can take away anything if they want to commit enough resources to it. You can stop anyone. You really can. If you want to commit enough resources to it. Now the answer is, what are you going to do once we take this guy away? And they, they did not do a good job of throwing the ball to the outside. It was that simple. And then it's game over. Now, do you think that, um, and I don't know, how much would you say you knew about Alan Hearns before he got here, and how much did you see him play? Oh, gosh, very little, very little. I mean, obviously, Jacksonville, not a national team. Um, they, they obviously came to the forefront last year. But, no, I had, had seen very, very little of him. Went back and looked at some tape of him once they signed him. Um, but, yeah, I didn't, did, could not give you a good handle on Alan Hearns before he got here. And, and don't have one right now, yeah. by the way. Yeah, uh, you know, from what I and I'm the same way. Uh, but from what I'd read about him, you know, there was a lot of talk that you know he he is a guy that you could play in the slot. And as a matter of fact, played a lot of slot for Jacksonville last year. Right. Uh, and uh, one of the reasons why he he wants to play more on the outside, but it does give you that option of being able to do that with him and maybe putting him across the the the, uh, the board there. Um, and he's obviously a, a, a fairly big target. Uh, so that would seem to be obviously be an advantage, too, uh, for a, a quarterback like Dak Prescott, who does have his uh, accuracy issues and something that you would uh, hope that he can improve on with his, when his, as his fundamentals improve. Um, but do you, uh, you know, from what you know, can you say that, you know, or could you, could you say that, let, let's see what he does uh, to help in, improve uh, Dak's chances. My, my thing on the receiver position right now, I know that the mantra has been we don't have a number one receiver and we don't need a number one receiver. We can throw it around and mix it up. The problem is at some point, whoever you have out there is going to go against the other team's best corner, right? Right. The, the other team's best corner is going to cover somebody. Whether you ha- when Because you don't have a number one receiver – they do not say, well, you know what? We've got this Pro Bowl corner. We'll take him off the field because we know you guys are a little limited. So that's my biggest concern. Well, it's great to talk about spreading it around, and we don't have that number one guy, but you don't always need a number one guy and how many number one guys are there. When push comes to shove, uh, their, their corner is going to shut down. Their best corner is probably going to shut down whoever the Cowboys throw out there as their best receiver. And that, that becomes a hard way to make a living. 
Yeah. Let, let me because we just uh, touched. Oh, on. very quickly, Kevin. We we saw it in Denver last year. We saw it in Denver when they went to play Denver. Denver had two good corners and. Oh, absolutely. There was not. They could have played a month of Sundays. There was nothing to be had on the outside. No, and that was a nightmare. Uh, that that game was a, an absolute nightmare. So and what I did laugh about that, if you've watched, if anyone has watched the, uh, gosh, Amazon Prime, I guess is what it's on. The, the Cowboys series. I can't even think of the name of it, but I've watched it. But Derek Dooley was on there talking about how good the Denver defense was, and they can embarrass us if we're not ready to play. And Des was, you know. Complaining that, oh, you talk, you talk about all these other guys like we're no good, and there was a little mini uh, argument going on in the in the room, and then what Denver do? They come out and just shut them down. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly what Derek Dooley said could happen if we're not on our game happened. Yeah, yeah, yes, it did. We've seen uh, uh, two years of Dak Prescott now. Uh, came out with a very very fine rookie season. Uh, struggled a little bit wait, last wait, year. Wait a minute. Yes. Seven unprecedented rookie season. An unprecedented rookie season. You're, that wasn't very fine. It was literally unprecedented. Yes, yes, it was. And now his his record as a starter. I, I hate when I have to do this kind of math. Uh, is <laughs> let's see, twenty two and ten. Is that not correct? Twenty two and ten. Really, yeah. you got a thirteen and three and a nine and seven. Yes, yeah, that's that's what it is. Uh, which is pretty good. I believe only only Ben Roethlisberger among active quarterbacks has had a better uh, two year start. Right. Uh, what do you know? What is the next step for him? What do you What do you see for him and his uh, progression as a quarterback? Well, you do forget how young he is, and I don't think three years into it, in the past, you had these. Great expectations for players. They were still learning, and you feel like Dak has been here ten years. I think, in part, obviously he started two seasons, but in part because of his leadership. You know, he's been a he's been a leader for this football team from day one, and, and that's difficult to do. I remember back in you know nineteen eighty nine, Troy Aikman's rookie season, and he he talked about it. Um, I don't know if he's talked about it like publicly, but we we discussed it. And he's like, Tom Rafferty is his center. Tom Rafferty had been in Pro Bowls and. He was probably in his, I don't know, 12th, 13th year. And he said, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to tell Rafferty what to do. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for Dak to assume that leadership position from the get-go as a fourth-round pick as well um, was pretty impressive. So, again, I'm, I'm giving him, I don't want to say the benefit of the doubt, but he's still on the learning curve. You know, he, he's going to be a much better player, <clears throat> excuse me, two, three, four years from now than, than he is today. So you, you just have to hope that that learning curve keeps uh, ascending, you know, because the learning curve can also go down at times. We've seen that. Um, RG3, after that rookie season he had, you just said, wow, I wasn't going to have to deal with this for the next 10 years, twice a year. And we see where that went. Yeah. Uh, that's uh you know and i have said all along about dak the thing to me that impresses him me the most about him is his head uh and i i have uh you know i think the the reasons he lasted until the fourth round were some of the mechanical fundamental issues that he uh had and he has worked on when you watch him uh set up and throw a football do you see still see things that he needs to work on and correct oh yes um, but I'm going to preface my Dak answer with this answer, and that is Tom Brady still goes out to Tom House in the off season yes, and works does. with him yes, on does. mechanics. 
So this, this, the notion that you just say, okay, he's got it. Let's just tell him what time the game is and when the bus leaves is, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just flawed. You're constantly working and, and, and tweaking and trying to find a better way to throw it, trying to find better footwork. And uh, Dak is in that stage. I'll be honest with you, when I first saw him, he had a, he had a real bounce when he went back and sat up in the pocket, sat up in the pocket, excuse me, he would really bounce up and down. It was almost like you're, you're on a ship, right? And that ship is pitching. And I give Wade Wilson credit for that, along with the rest of the coaching staff. But they, if you know, if you go back and look at his first training camp, I said, this is going to be an issue um, for his accuracy and consistency. And they got that out of him. So, I mean, there's constantly, now you do that, but you don't just say, okay, we're finished, we, we fix that. Right. Uh, I, I just think you're in a state of constant tweaking. Now, can you tweak too much? Um, you know, Tiger Woods won the U.S. Open by 15, right, at Pebble Beach, yeah. and decided he needed to, he, he couldn't win with that swing. No. <laughs> so yeah. you got to be a little careful about overcoaching him, I think, at times. But, yeah, there's no question you're always, you're always tuning up and maintaining and, you kind of have to keep constant vigil on all the mechanics of, of the throwing motion. And again, I, I kind of feed into the throwing motion. They're, they're part and parcel. So when, when, uh, so when we talk about accuracy issues with a, a Dak, are we talking about things that he is doing in his delivery? Are we talking about, because, you know, now some guys are just not going to be as accurate as other guys. Uh, you know, we see that all the time, uh, you know, especially coming out of college. So is it something that uh, that uh, that it can that can improve? Oh yeah, absolutely. You can improve it, and um, I don't recall a bunch of throws last year where you said, "Wow, he just missed an open guy." So I think we look at the numbers and the completion percentage, and um, and then you say, "Well, he was inconsistent throwing the ball," and there there were some throws in there that. Naturally, he wants back. Everybody wants some back. But it wasn't, you know, you just go through that metal Rolodex in your head and you just don't visualize a lot of guys running open and Dak missing them. So I think it was a little overblown with the accuracy issues that he had. Um, it seemed like every ball he was throwing to Dez, right? There was somebody just draped on Dez. Right. Uh, that's all I visualize is Dez going up, a body on him, the ball getting knocked away. Um, so we'll see. Again, what scares me more than than Dak's accuracy is the the level at, at the wide receiver position. You know, you're counting on a lot of things to happen. Alan Hearns has been hurt the last couple of years. Stay healthy. How good is he? Tavon Austin. They picked him up for a sixth round draft pick for a reason, or I should say, there's a reason that he was available for a sixth round draft pick. He right. has not been the, the productive player that they thought he would be when he was a top ten pick for the Rams. Uh, Cole Beasley's always going to be limited because of his size. Uh, he'll never be an outside receiver. So there's a lot of limitations to the wide receiver group. And I think you really have to keep your fingers crossed for Michael Gallup, the third rounder out of Colorado State, and just hope that you know, he becomes a, a, a little bit better than maybe where he was drafted. Now, I would, I would agree with that, except that I would make the point that are they any worse off this year than they were last year at the wide receiver position? I think they are only in the sense that when you break the huddle, there's no one where they, they're going to say, hey, where's, where's 82? Uh-huh. Where, where's 88? 
to me, that's always a, either offensively or defensively. You know, when teams were playing the Cowboys uh, and DeMarcus Ware was there, that offense would break the huddle. And the offensive line, you, all five guys, right? There's 94. Right. <laughs> you, see, you, you see them all pointing. There, there's 94. Uh, offensively, you break the huddle. And when you're playing Atlanta, you find Julio Jones every time he comes out the huddle. Sure. If they huddle, if they huddle anymore, I don't know that they, they know twenty one is going to be in the backfield. Yeah. After that, there's not an eighty two. There's not an eighty eight. There's not a guy where they say, "Hey, where is this guy?" Yeah. I, I, so that I, can be problematic. I, yeah, I just feel like there's more of an issue for me uh, losing Witten than losing Dez, uh, just because of, of what you could count on from Witten. And I, I just, right. I just feel like that the impact that just from what we were saying a while ago, teams were. Were you know using covering uh, Des with single coverage a lot? Uh, he was not. He was not the number. He he may have been the Cowboys' number one receiver, but he's not a number one receiver. Is my, is my point anymore? I, I yeah, don't and I, I think people. I do think, um, and it obviously happens in many areas of sports and even in life. You forget how good he was. Right. You know, he had a yeah, yeah. He, he, he did not have a good year last year. Uh, why we can there's a whole litany of reasons why, but the why doesn't matter. He did not have a good year, but he was as good as there was for a three year span in there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was a number one receiver, absolutely. Um, which was interesting to me too. Why he reportedly turned down the two year deal from Baltimore, you know, doing the one year deal and um, kind of a make it deal. I mean, he's going to be thirty years old. He's he's not. I, I don't think his. Um, career arc is ascending at this moment, and the longer he stays out of a camp, the harder it's going to be for him to learn an offense. He's not a guy that's just going to jump in and a week later say, oh yeah, I got this. Yeah, I, I don't know who's advising on all this stuff. I thought that was a terrible move. I think that he exactly what he needed was a two-year or a multi-year deal with the Ravens. I thought it was supposed to be a three-year deal. Uh, but, but at any rate, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think he struggled enough to figure out what was going on in two years, he couldn't get it going with Dak. Uh, what makes him think that in a couple of weeks he's going to be able to put something together with a completely different quarterback? And, and maybe yeah. that maybe that happens. I don't know. It depends on where he ends up. I I, I do feel like that you know in, in training camp something will happen. Somebody will get hurt and somebody will sign him. What do you think? Oh, I think he'll be in someone's training camp, but I think it's going to be staggering how limited the amount of money they're going to give him it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, he's been available to sign. And I remember when he first was released, I, I now the number has six, since gone up to six teams, but I immediately called four people that I know in the league, either head coaches, GMs, personnel directors, decision makers. They, they, they had no interest. It wasn't, well, let's see what his price is. Let's see. We're going to look at some tape. It was just, I was like, well, do you want to, do you want to wait a minute before you text me back? <laughs> no, no, we don't have an interest. So, I, I think, I think that we thought there would probably be a bigger market for Des. I'm sure Des thought that uh, clearly than there was. And I understand you're not going to get the big money deal. Um, you know, the five year, the, the free agency period came and left before he became available. But doesn't mean the teams can't sign you, right? Right. <laughs> it just means you're not going to get the five year, eighty million dollar deal you might have been looking for. Yeah. But to, to not be signed is, is amazing to me. I'll say this, too. It's funny, Kevin, because 
doing the game with Brad Sham at Philly, right? Meaningless game. So many times, especially the second half, you, you then start pointing ahead to what happened that year, and you look ahead to next year, and you just start talking about how the team, you know, some of the offseason decisions had signed. You know, Anthony Hitchens, to me, it was important to get him signed. He was a very big part of that defense, instrumental, played three positions, on and on. Um, but if Brad had said to me during that game, at the end of the game, well, it'll be interesting to see how this team looks next year without Des Bryant and Jason Witten, I would have been, I said, what? <laughs> I mean, I just, did they legalize marijuana in Pennsylvania and I missed it? You know? Honestly, could you have imagined after that Philly game, you know, as you're filing your story away, you said, well, of course, there'll be no Des Bryant, no Jason Witten next year, but that's where they are. I, I I actually could could see the the Dez thing. I could not see the Jason Witten. I I I couldn't imagine that he would have retired. I, I know it's a great opportunity for him, and it's probably the right thing to do. I just thought that he loved it so much and was such a pro, and just loved everything about it that uh, there's just no way he would have done it. But he did. He did. He did. Um, but I I'll be honest. I would have seen Witten leaving before Dez. Really. So. Look how wrong you can be. Yeah, but just, I just thought, okay, what? And then to not, re- they didn't really replace him. That's the thing. They didn't go get a first round no. receiver. They didn't. They didn't sign anyone necessarily in free agency. So, I, I, if you believe in addition by subtraction, and that was the case with Des, then great. But as they line up at the wide receiver position, when they line up in Carolina uh, this year, wide receiver. They're not going to be as good as they were last year when they had Des Bryant. It's that simple. It'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm, I'm interested to see how this all works out, and obviously we'll learn a lot more in training camp and in, in some of the sure. preseason games. So we'll we'll understand that. All right, now we we've talked about a lot of uh, cowboy stuff, but let's get on to something really important now. Let's let's talk about uh, a young man named Luke Loffenberg and how he's doing these days. You know, he is doing as well as can ever be expected. Um, gaining weight practically by the day, which aligns him, I guess, with the rest of America. <laughs> but he but he needed to. There was a big difference. <laughs> but he's getting stronger every day, looks better every day. Hair is coming back. Eyebrows are coming back. So um, he's doing great. Thank you. Uh, that's great to hear. So now t- tell us, how much, how much weight did he actually lose? Well, I'm going to – right in the 80 – pound vicinity he was about 235 yeah he was about 235 and went down anywhere from 150 to 155 so literally a third of his body weight was was gone um and he was not uh, he was not heavy he was not fat so it wasn't no, a he's a big he's a big boy uh yeah he was just a big young man um so it was i, I just couldn't believe it seemed like Every day you wake up and he looked a little skinnier, and uh, yeah, you, you, the bones started sticking through his back and all the all the horrific things that you really have images of, you know, war crimes. Yeah. Um, it's kind of what he looked like, um, but no, it's been um, it's been great to see the recovery. And to be honest with you, as he's recovering. Physically, I think I'm doing the same emotionally. Yes. Uh, it, 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 it takes a while. Um, 
But as I often told him, Luke, when you're having a good day, I'm having a good day. When you're having a bad day, I'm having a bad day. Yeah, that's when just you're in the hospital and even at home, you know, doing doing the care at home, and uh, and he had a lot of bad days. So consequently, I had a lot of bad days. But uh, I've had I've had a bunch of good days lately. So that's that's a good thing. What's he What's he up to now? Probably about two oh five, two ten. Oh, good for so him. Really getting, yeah, really getting the weight back and looking like a, well, looking like a normal human being. What What is the plan for him at this point? Well, he will stay here. He'll take some classes at Brookhaven. Still has to do. We have a little bit of follow up and monitoring um, with his situation. Even though obviously he's he's off chemo, finished his chemo treatments. Um, so he'll stick around here for this semester and then hope to. Oh, wants to play football again, and uh, I think he will. And the doctors have effectively given him the okay. How about that? Uh, provided he keeps progressing, and so that's his next goal is to get somewhere, basically, you know, January one, and try to resume um, not only his education but his his football career. Will he go back uh, to where he was, or will he will he go someplace new? No, he'll probably he'll finish up, get his AA degree, uh, get his associate arts degree at Brookhaven, which allows you to then go to a four-year school again. Right. Um, once you go to a junior college or a community college, um, you have to get your AA before you become eligible right. to play at a four-year school. So that's where he'll be. Yeah. Now, what school, we don't know. <laughs> and it would be very interesting, and he understands it, but um, he, he was seeing some interest from um, some FBS schools, and he had a few recruiting trips uh, that he was going to be taking, obviously, before he got cancer so i understand it and i i I, he understands as well no school is going to say oh sure let's just let's see how you how you bounce back from the cancer we'll give you a scholarship just come on out so he like Des Bryant will be on a prove it deal (laughs) (laughs) well we're very excited to hear the update on luke and and how he's doing and how well he's doing it's a it's a great story and uh and, and and you know how you know, as a, as a father of four children myself, and when you say uh, when they're having good days and you're having good days, when they're having bad days, they're having bad. That's just kind of uh, uh, being a dad, you know. Uh, yeah, and I know it's These I know it's ratcheted up about a hundred percent. Really bad days. Yes, yes, I know. Before I thought a bad day was you know dropping a ball, going over four in your little league game. They, they'd have a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> we we redefined bad day. I think. No, you have you have done that, and y'all. <laughs> I will say this, Kevin. One thing that I want to emphasize is um, I understand we're not the Lone Ranger. Obviously, there was a little bit of um, publicity around his situation just because, you know, you're somewhat in the public eye here, whatever you want to call it. But there's a lot of people going through the same thing. So I never wanted to feel like they were the only one with, with an issue. And just because, obviously, you don't have cancer doesn't mean you don't have other issues, be it medical, emotional, or otherwise in your life. So. Um, honestly, my heart goes out to all these people. Um, saddest thing for me was we were, we were at Children's Hospital in Dallas, and I'd walk by some rooms, and I never saw anybody but the kid in there. And that was crushing. Yes. Uh, Luke never had a moment. As a matter of fact, someone asked him, do you get lonely? And he said, I don't get lonely because I've never been alone. Either my <laughs> mom or my dad or my brother had been in the room, and, and there, wasn't, uh, there was not 30 seconds um, that he had by himself in the room where somebody was always in there. And hey, there were times he couldn't eat or drink or talk. 
But I think, you know, you just you look up and you see a family member there. And I don't want to say it gives you comfort, but I don't think there was ever a time where he, he felt alone uh, because he wasn't alone. I told him, I said, look, you're going to be so tired of me by the time this ends. <laughs> I said, you, you, you will never want to see me for like a year. <laughs> no, that's not the way he feels, but you're absolutely right. Uh, that's everything. And, uh, and, and, and so for me and, and for you and for, and for uh, hopefully most of us, family is everything. And, uh, sure. and, and uh, making sure that uh, you're there for the people that you love when, uh, when that's important. I know when I've had... When I've had uh, medical issues, uh, the last time I did, uh, you know, if my wife wasn't there, my oldest son was there, and and uh, right. and it was just uh, always so great uh, to have that uh, and to know that they cared that much and that they didn't feel like it was an obligation; they felt like it was something they wanted to do. They it, it wasn't right. a, oh, a question of that, and that and when a, and when a child feels that, uh, I, I think that means everything, and and just what. From what you said a while ago, I've, I've always felt that uh, anything that's ever happened to me or to someone I loved, I, I never felt like I was getting picked on. I, I looked around and see all the, the, the sadness in the world and the terrible things that happen to people. And, uh, and, and you're right. It is, it is so sad to see uh, the things that happen, and it makes you even more determined to try to do what you can do for the ones that you love. Yeah. And the, one, the, the toughest part for me, and I'm sure it would be the same for any parent, is you just want to say, give it to me. Let yes. me, why is he, why, let, and you find out that cancer is non-transferable. They yeah. can't say, okay, <laughs> well, right. you can, you, you, you can take his shift for the chemo today. Um, that doesn't happen, but that was really the overriding thought um, initially, and then anytime he's in pain, and and again, I'm sure that's true for every parent. And what's interesting too, Kevin, is I had so many people, <laughs> including family members, say, "I don't know how you do it. I couldn't do this." And I said, "You could do it." Yeah, you got I no said, choice. I tell you, you got no choice. I said, "You'd do it. Everybody would do it." Absolutely, you would. Um, it's amazing. I hope you don't have to do, do it. You hope you don't have to do it, but yeah, when it's your kid, you you, you do it as you will know. You do whatever you have to. Do. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Babe, it's been great having you on. It's been great to have the update about Luke. We're, we're so glad to hear that. And uh, thanks for your uh, insight on everything, and thanks for the fact that Evan wasn't here to uh, screw things up by asking uh, silly <laughs> questions as well. I miss Evan. I miss Evan. Did really? So the only way, yeah, obviously he's a pretty busy man during baseball season, but I follow him on Twitter, so I feel like there's a connection. Doesn't so. everybody follow Evan on Twitter? Pardon me? Doesn't everybody follow Evan on Twitter? I imagine they do. You know, baseball is that interesting thing where they tweet by the pitch. You know, so just looked at a two, just looked at a two-one fastball. Like in football, that doesn't happen, right? Uh, not as we, much. We no. say, yeah, we don't. We don't say first and ten, and Ezekiel just picked up four yards on the left side. That's not a very. But baseball, I love. I yeah, love. yeah. There's a, there's a lot of stuff happening out there. All right, babe. It's so great to hear from you. Give Luke a hug for us and uh, and uh, the rest of your fine family and as well. And uh, we will hope to catch up with you soon as we as as events develop, as we like to say. Great. Thanks for having me on, Mr. Shankin. Great to have you on. There he goes, Mr. Loffenberg. Uh, always great to have him on with us. He's uh, you know I like having people on 
who are um, who have been in those trenches and know exactly what they're talking about. You know, people like me, we're just kind of guessing, uh, and and that's one of the uh, one of the things about what I do for a living and my colleagues do for a living is that we talk to people all the time and we educate ourselves and uh, and we spend a lot of time there. But uh, I'll be the first to say I don't know half of what uh, Babe Offenberg knows about football. I don't know a quarter of what he knows about football. Um, and I, I certainly respect his opinion. He does a great job on the broadcast with Brad Sham, uh, also one of my all-time favorites, uh, and I, I know probably yours as well. So uh, that does it for our Cowboys podcast, and we had our Rangers podcast with Evan Grant, who's in Kansas City. Uh, who told us some good stories from up there as well. Make sure you tune in on those. We'd love to to have you uh, check those out. Uh, and we'll be back next week with more, uh, even more of this fine work. And we'll have actually Evan Grant in the studio with me. So it won't just be me talking to Evan and trying to decipher what his headphones are doing. Hope that you're hearing it a little bit better than I was. So for everybody in here and everybody out there, thanks and so long. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.